welcome to another episode of Has Entered the Chat. I'm your host, Adam Gorey, and I will be joined this episode by Jim Jackson, longtime broadcaster for the Philadelphia Flyers, 30 years total. Also did some play-by-play for the Philadelphia Phillies for about 14 years. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jim J. Philly. Check out jimjacksonbroadcasting.com for broadcast coaching, audiobook and video narration, cameo, appearances, and a bunch more. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, you can go ahead to our YouTube channel and actually watch the interview. All the links for everything I just mentioned will be down below. All of Jim's links, all of the show's links. Just check the description, make it a little easy for you so you don't have to try to remember anything. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to thank Jim for joining me. Uh, He was an absolute pleasure to talk to, super informative, great stories, very interesting on how he kind of got to where he is today. So glad you're checking this out. It's a great episode. Stick around at the end where I will talk a little bit more about uh, what's coming up for the podcast, and I'll give you all the social media and website information again at the end as well. Uh, But without further ado, here is my chat with Jim Jackson. A couple vacations outside of that. Oh, that's good. Anywhere anywhere nice? Uh, We're going to St. Thomas with the family. That's the big one. And then we, my wife and I go to New York for four days. We do like four shows and and then we got one down in South Florida. So three three trips once a month starting next month. Yeah. This month oh, cool. I just veg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, yeah. honestly. What shows are you seeing? Do you know yet in New York when you go? Not yet. We don't. I basically, I pick out a whole bunch and then I let her uh, decide whether <laughs> or not she likes it or not. Is that mic close enough or not? I don't need to prop. Yeah. Up. No, you're good. I'm picking you up good. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I don't uh, I don't make that decision till uh, that's a that's a next week project I believe. So <laughs> uh, yeah, we just tricky. yeah we just saw Harry Potter not too long ago oh, yeah? down there. The yeah. Cursed Child. It was good. That was the first yeah. time I was on Broadway probably since I was a kid. Yeah, Broadway so is was... cool. Yeah, last year we went to see Chicago and we we thought it was gonna be Pamela Anderson. She was scheduled to be there. She had been there, but she. She left like the week before for a break. And so they had the understudy do it. And this understudy was this young girl who had just done a contest basically to okay. get a chance to, to go on Broadway for a week and as an understudy. She was unbelievable. I mean, she stole really? the show. Yeah. And and she was because she's still young. She came out afterwards and you know, met with everybody and got pictures and Oh, that's cool. Follower. Yeah, I don't. I got her name. I got forget her name right now, but I got her name in a envelope uh, from that whole trip, and uh, I got to follow her career. She, she's definitely headed for. Uh, she's really good. Yeah, here you are thinking like, oh man, we're getting the exactly. understudy, and then, then you get a great yeah. show. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Good. Well, hey, um, I do at the end. I want to make sure I save some time to talk about uh, like your broadcast coaching and, and sure. events and cameo great. and all that stuff. But first, I want to talk to you a little about your career and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think my first question was like, 
you know, if, if I'm doing the math right, you've, you probably, you know, joined the flyers when you're in like your low, low third, early thirties, roughly. 30 I know you grad- oh, cool. I know you graduated Syracuse. What, what kind of uh, filled the gap there? I know, I think you did some AHL broadcasting as well. And when you graduated, is that like, is that what you knew you wanted to do right away? Yeah, I knew what I wanted to do when I was 12, maybe. Oh, wow. Um, once I started to realize that <laughs> I wasn't going to make it as a player, and that was pretty <laughs> early on, um, I I had to find a way because I was a sports junkie as a kid. I mean, I there were no computers back then. There were no... Uh, there was no internet. There was there was no social media, nothing like that. But I just took, you could. I found it actually after my parents passed, and I cleaned out their house. I found all kinds of these notebooks of mine, which had stats and stats and stats. Oh, really? Man, I was clearly just a, a sports, uh, you know. I'm, I was one of those wacko sports fans. So I had to find a way to stay involved, and it wasn't going to be through playing. I found that out pretty early on. So. Um, really, I, I, my whole goal from the time I was 12 or 13 was to get to Syracuse because I grew up in upstate New York and that was the great broadcast school, sports broadcast sure. school. So I, uh, that was, became my goal. I got my grades up, got into new house, which was tough. And then once I was at Syracuse, there was this whole change in my, I mean, I had probably been happy to be the sports director at a local station in Utica when I was a kid. Um, but now, once I went to Syracuse and was around all those kids from all over the country, especially New York City, it was I wanted to be president of CBS Sports. I wanted to go right to the top. Um, so your motivation, your ambition really grew and it really pushed me. And I got lots of great experience at Syracuse. But then school ends and boom, you're done. And it's like, OK, what yeah. now? And I, I went back home and I sent out a whole bunch of things. I got an interview at a radio station in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, which thankfully I, I didn't get that job. It probably wouldn't have gone too well. It was a new sports radio <laughs> thing. And, and I went back and I, and I, I had nothing going for a couple months. So I figured out I'm just going to go into this local radio station, which I'd always listened to as a new sports talk station, a, a nightly sports talk show that I'd always listened to. And uh, they carried some local sports. And uh, so I went in there and I, I said, Hey, can I hang around for a month? I'll, I'll work uh, for free. You know, I'll, you know, clean, whatever, get coffee for the, the, the anchors, whatever you want. But uh, can I just hang around? I want to be around uh, the, the station and see how it goes. And probably because I was a Syracuse grad, I was also local. I'd also met the sports director once or twice. Um, I, they, they, they said, sure, I'll do it. So I did that and I, I, uh, I did whatever I could. I immersed myself and probably about two and a half weeks in, they said, hey, we think you're probably competent to run the board you can call it producing if you want, but basically it's running sure. the board for some of our you know shows that are automated. And so I did that thinking, hey, maybe this will lead to a part time job or something. And um, by about the third week, they said, we're going to have you host or at least to produce our Polish radio show. Our, our person's out on Sunday and we need you to do that. And that was literally, Adam, the start of my broadcast career, because and I'll never forget it. Maria Kowalski was her name. Uh, lovely uh, Polish lady. She'd point, I'd play the polka or I'd read the English commercial or I'd do whatever she wanted. But that was my first actual on the air commercial thing. And that Polish radio show is why I've been doing the flyers for 30 years. And here's why in a very short version. Uh, as I was doing that, I did it a couple of times. They kept me on a little bit over my month. And then they said, Hey, you know, you'll always be a, somebody will hire on a per hour basis to ride the board. But as I, as I rode the board in the weekends, I realized they went from a news talk sports station to 
after the Polish show was over on Sundays and all day on Saturday, there were a top 40 music station in and around the sports they carried in the weekends. And I said, hey, this just doesn't make sense. So yeah, here I am just out of school. I put together this written proposal for a, a sports talk show around their sporting events in the weekends and who else to host it. But me, I'm already there. Um, and they went for it. I, mean, I, I got him into a meeting. He was the sports director, news director, program director, general manager. And uh, here I am, this 22-year-old kid. And I had this, I don't know how good the written proposal was. I don't have it. I lost that somewhere. But, <laughs> but uh, oh, that would have been a good thing to frame. Yeah, because it got me a full-time job. They gave me the job. Of course, my social life was gone. I worked from noon to midnight, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then they gave me 16 hours during the week, like helping out the sports director, helping out in the newsroom and got me to 40 hours, but I had a full-time job. And about six months after that, the sports director got a job in Birmingham, major upgrade at that point in terms of market size. Um, and so I became the sports director. Now I'm doing division one college basketball, Utica college. I'm doing high school football. I'm doing, um, New York Penn league baseball. And I'm doing what at the time was ACHL hockey plus a nightly talk show and sportscast and getting tons of experience. I'm 23 years old and just loving it, getting reps and reps and reps. About nine months after that, the New Jersey Devils decided to move their American Hockey League team to Utica from Portland, Maine, and um, we get the rights. So now I'm doing AHL hockey at like 23, almost 24. Wow. And I did every year the Devils played, Utica Devils, uh, six years, 499 games. Um, never got a sniff of the NHL, but – um, about the end of that sixth year came word that they were going to leave. I had switched radio stations to stay with the hockey too, about three or four years into that. But the bottom line was I was still doing AHL hockey. I was still doing baseball. I wasn't doing the talk show anymore because this station was more, they wanted me to sell. And so I was selling, which I hated, sure. but I had to do it <laughs> to keep up doing the games. And, and then the devils decide the rumblings where they were going to leave. And so um, I was just married and, Kind of in the crossroads, I had lots of offers for sales jobs, some of them six figures, which in upstate New York is like a million in a big market. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I could have just settled into that pretty easily and been comfortable. My wife would have been happy. She loved it up there. But uh, I had this passion for sports and I just thought it was good enough to, to do something. I sent tapes out to Florida and Anaheim, the expansion teams that year. And on the bus ride home from our last game with the Devils after we got eliminated in the playoffs, Robbie Futorek was the coach of that team. He's a U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer. He's a crazy guy. And um, it was a friend of mine, but we we always battled. Um, and he, he uh, you know, he's having all the players come up, sit next to him, go over what they're going to do for the summer. And he pulls me over because uh, he got done a little early, I guess. I mean, he didn't even, I didn't even work for the team. I worked for the radio station. But he pulls me over and says, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, uh, rumors are that uh, you guys are leaving town. And he kind of just looked at me and said, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, I said, well, I've sent tapes out to the expansion teams, and I'll keep my eye on any other openings, and I'll send tapes there. He goes, no, no, send tapes everywhere. I said, well, you know those end up in the circular file. Where, where are they going? He goes, no, no, you really should send tapes everywhere. And so uh, I, I fought him on it, of course, because that's how Robbie and I <laughs> But when I got home, I, I thought, yeah, why not? I don't have anything else, anything to lose. Of course, back then it wasn't just putting a link in an email and sending it out. It was I'd put right. a little tape together, snail mail it out. So I had to listen to myself twenty-two times the same stuff over and over again. But I did <laughs> a lot of it all out. Um, about a month after that, the Ducks—they were the Mighty Ducks—then call and say I'm in the final three. 
for the radio job, 2-1, I got the job. That was probably July. And so, you know, they were an expansion team. I was negotiating with them. Not, not that I had any real leverage. I was going to take whatever they offered me, but <laughs> it took them forever. They had so much going on. And in the meantime, I took a job in Utica just to pass the time before I figured out what I was doing, working for the Colonial Hockey League team that had replaced the AHL team. And I was in the sales office there, and I was on the phone with Ken Wilson from the Mighty Ducks, and he's saying, we're going to get this soon. I promise you, we're going to get to this soon. I said, great. I hung up, and a message came in on one of those sheets. It said, um, Mark Piazza, Philadelphia Flyers, line two. I said, Philadelphia Flyers? What would that be? And this is months after I'd sent the tape. So I... I pick it up. I say, hey, Mark, how are you? Jim Jackson. He goes, hey, how are you? I said, I'm doing well. He said, you know, listen, we're, we got some changes in our broadcasting department. Uh, Mike Emmerich is leaving to go national and do some stuff with New Jersey. We're going to move Gene Hart back to television, and we need a radio voice, and we have this tape, and we really like it. Uh, you're in the, the final group. And I just started laughing. And he said, normally I'd be offended. But he says, I know why you're laughing. And I said, you do? He said, yeah, you're already talking with the Ducks. So, you know, these people know all these things anyhow. Right. I said, yeah, I am. I, I've kind of agreed to take their job. He goes, well, have you signed anything? And I said, no. He says, all right, come on down tomorrow. We'll interview you, and then we'll see what happens. So they interviewed me. Basically, he told me as I'm going to interview, unless you spit in the guy's face, you're getting the job. They really love your tape. And I didn't spit in Ron Ryan's face. At lunch. <laughs> and I went back home. They had a contract waiting for me on the fax machine. Oh, wow. Uh, and and uh, for a lot of reasons, my, my mother-in-law at the time was sick, so it was going to be much easier for my wife to get back and forth between Philly and Utica as opposed to um, Los Angeles or Anaheim. So It's a little closer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Eric Lindros was in his going into his second year. Of course, the Flyers were going to win Stanley Cups before the mighty Ducks were going to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> was wrong there, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no regrets on this decision. I chose Philly, very happy. Uh, first two years radio, then switched to TV, um, now 30 years total, and uh, just absolutely love it. So I'm living my dream. I tell my broadcast coaching students all the time, have a dream, have a goal, have a mission, shoot for it. You're going to have people tell you you're crazy. You're going to have people tell you you suck. You're going to have people tell you you're just, it's not for you. You are the person who will make that decision. Hopefully that day never comes, but nobody else is going to tell you. I've had many people tell me I was never going to make it. Uh, my own mother fought against this <laughs> almost to her death. And, uh, you know, there's just, you, we all have different people that we're going to, to have to fight to, to mm -hmm. accomplish our dreams. And um, I, I teach that to people all the time. And I tell them my story is, is one of them. I had a dream since I was like 12 years old. It didn't matter whether it was hockey, basketball, football, baseball. I was a four sport guy, not so much soccer back then. So it was, you know, four sports and uh, any of those four, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, I would have taken any of them. Um, and so hadn't hockey kind of found me, but the bottom line is I got my, I, I realized my dream and I, I realized that every day that I, my feet hit the ground and I have a game, I'm living my dream and, uh, they can too. I mean, I'm from, I was a graduating class of 73 people in upstate New York. I mean, people are telling me, well, yeah, you're going to be in my, in my yearbook, actually senior yearbook quote is the most pleasure in life comes from doing things. People say that you can't do. Now, that's not to mean you go out and get into trouble. That's to mean you do something they don't think you are capable of doing. And right. um, and I I did it. So I tell all my, my students, it can be you. It, it can. For me, it was hard to believe back then. I saw people in the big, you know, they made it in broadcasting saying, I'll never make it there. There was part of me that said that. But at the same time, I kept pushing. 
and I, I made it. So I say that to all my students, it can be you. And you just have to have that desire. You have to work at your craft for sure. You do need some breaks. I clearly got some breaks, but you also make some breaks. I clearly made some of my breaks too. Mm -hmm. So um, that's really the way it works. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you have to obviously, it's not just going to fall in your lap, right? So you put in the work, at just something as simple as, and and I really like your story because, um, you know, even just in the podcasting realm that I've been doing for like 10 years, I've noticed that, you know, just take a shot, right? So you put that proposal together, not knowing they could have said no, but guess what? That's the worst thing they're going to do is say no. And they said yes. And they without that, you out of the office too. But <laughs> <laughs> and if they didn't do Who that, you wouldn't kid? be you wouldn't be where you are today. So I mean, it's you true. took that. And you know, you what if they and... say no, or what if they do laugh me out of the office? I I go out of there saying I gave it my best shot. Um, right. I mean, even to this day, I did a game on on uh, Friday last week, a week ago today um, for TNT uh, Game Six, Panthers Bruins. I did as good a job as I possibly could do in that game. Um, I I was happy. Rarely am I done with a broadcast where I'm not thinking about, ah, could have done that better, that better, that better. I, I Jody and I, it was a great game, crazy game, all kinds of stuff. We loved, we just, it was just great. I just had a great feeling about the broadcast. I didn't get to the second round with TNT. I'm not the least bit disappointed because I know I gave everything I had into that broadcast and I thought we did a good job. I, I couldn't do much better. So if they didn't move me on to the second round because of that, they were never going to move me on to the second round. And they weren't. They have their right. four play-by-play -play guys. Uh, so I, I get all kinds of people tweeting me, why aren't you doing the second round of this? And I'm like, because I just wasn't part of their – I wasn't there on the totem pole. But I did everything I could to, to try. And, you know, that's, right. that's a decision that networks make. And they had their people that they had kind of used during the season, uh, John Forslund. Um, and Alex Faust had filled in during the season. There are two main guys, obviously, are Kenny and Brendan Burke. So you do the math. There's there's just not a, a reason. But so happy Jody's getting at least one game in the second round because uh, he's really good. And um, I think he should be way higher up on the national totem pole for analysts. So um, good to see that. And for me, I'm sitting back just enjoying the games now. My summer begins. But it's it's similar to back at all the way back to that that meeting. I knew by submitting that proposal by being there in the first place, asking them to hang around for a month, but just getting, I, I did all I could. If it didn't happen out of that, I, I could look back and say, I gave it my best shot. And I tell all my broadcast coaching students, you got to give it your best shot because if, if you don't, you're going to regret it. And life with regret is terrible. You don't want to look back when you're 40 or 45 and say, why didn't I, I my dream was to be a broadcast. I wanted to be a broadcaster, but I never really went after it. Uh, you know, and, and it, for many of these broadcast students, they won't make it to the NHL or NBA or any of the, the major leagues, but at least they're giving it a shot. And so when they're 40, they can right. say, hey, I did, did my best. And many people find other avenues to really satisfy themselves within the sports realm, um, whether it's PR, whether it's in social media or whether it's uh, behind the scenes in, in television or, or radio. So. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things you got to shoot for it in order to get there. What is it? Wayne Gretzky said 100% of the goals, uh, the shots not taken, do not make it into the net and uh, in golf, yep. never up, never in. So, you, you yep. know, you have to absolutely give it a shot. Yeah. And, um, when you took that, that flyers job, you know, all those years ago, did you think that you would still be there today, this many years later and, and your career path or your career would have taken the path that, that even doing some Phillies, 
um, Philly's work as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, to be honest with you, I I hoped for it. Did I know it would be the case? No, I knew I was only 30 when I started. So doing the math, I figured if everything goes well, I'm going to be here 30 years because you start thinking about retirement at that point. Um, sure. But uh, I knew there would have to be a lot of breaks. I knew Mr. Ed Snyder would have to like me. Um, <laughs> and I knew that, uh, you know, that I'd have to do a really good job. So there was some pressure, of course, to, to get to that stage. But that was my goal. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to be a longtime announcer for one team. And I'm right up there now. Sam Rosen's the king. Yeah. I think there's not too many guys who've been with one team doing television as many years as I have in the league anymore. So uh, there's like five maybe. So that's I'm pretty proud of that. And, um, yeah, I absolutely didn't. You know, think it was going to be. I was. I'm sure, certainly not presumptuous enough uh, uh, and, and cocky enough to say that. But that was my goal. I wanted it sure. to be the case. Um, and as for the Phillies, I had done a lot of baseball in the minors when I was in Utica. I loved it. It was always a passion of mine. And when I got down here, you're all excited, and I dove right into hockey from like '93 through maybe 2000. And then I started to get the baseball itch a little bit. And then the lockout came in 2004, 2005, and I sought out the Trenton Thunder. I sought out anybody in the minors, to be honest with you, to, to do some work, make some money, too, because we were mm-hmm. getting paid. So, And uh, I got to do double-A baseball that summer of 05, and once I did that, I was right back into the baseball love affair. And David Montgomery and I had been having lunch once a year or so, starting in maybe 2003, four somewhere around there. And he was, we were always just talking, uh, nothing about me, more about broadcasting and general baseball hockey. Um, one hour spent with David Montgomery is a, it makes your life one hour better. Let me tell you, he was <laughs> one of the best people I've, I've ever been around in the sport. Um, so we did that. And then once I started doing that, he said, hey, you know, do you ever think about doing some baseball? And then by 2007, I was doing Phillies, and I did it for 14 years. So that was fun. Um, now that I think about it, I was crazy. I was I was working for 14 years, pretty much 365 days a year, and yeah, um, and I was let go by the Phillies during the, the pandemic. No, no doubt about the fact that this was not a mutual party of the ways. They they told me I wasn't wasn't uh, coming back. Um, but hmm. if they had come back to me after the pandemic ended, I would not have gone back because I realize i need the summers off i'm getting older yeah. and i just needed things to i needed to have some life and i found that life the first year out of baseball so as much as i thought i was going to really miss the baseball um, i do miss the ballpark i miss my buddies the people scott fransky and larry anderson and all those guys and all the people around the, the ballpark you know ed and some of the, the people up in the press box who take care of you and the people in the kitchen all that. i miss all that immensely mm-hmm. I do not miss the job at all. I just love getting up today and not having to worry about a baseball game. So, um, so the 14 years, a long run, a good run. uh, But I got to experience, you know, the best. I, I, I got a ring. I got to ride in a parade. I got to see some of the best teams in Philly's history over that five year run. Um, And it was uh, just something I'll never, ever regret at all. And then I got to see how baseball can be tough because the team went downhill in oh, yeah. 2012 to my last year, 2020. Uh, they weren't above 500 the whole time. There was some excitement right. toward the end when they got Bryce Harper, but 
it was yeah, you uh, got spoiled those first yeah, couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and baseball, Adam, in in July, August, when you're out of it, is tough. It's every day. You know you're not going anywhere. Um, they're taking care of this now, but the games were endless. They were you mm-hmm. know going three, three fifteen, three thirty. Um, so when it all came to an end in 2020, I didn't realize it, but I had kind of grown tired of the game a little bit. Uh, I think this is all good speeding it up. I think they're going to probably have to make some changes to help save some people and so forth. But sure. I think yeah. getting these games shorter is a good thing for baseball. But when I was when I was doing it, I mean, I'd be sitting there. It's like, wow, this game started at seven. It's now ten forty, mm-hmm. and we're still playing baseball. Of course, I do the half hour before the game, and then half hour to forty five minutes after the game. So you know, four hour game for me is like a five, or for for everybody is like a five to five and a half hour thing. And, Plus, you're there way yeah. ahead of time. So, and I mean, it, it, was, it, was a, it wasn't hard work. No announcing is hard work. We are all blessed to be able to do what we do. But it was a lot of work. It was a lot of hours. And I'm using those hours now to swim, golf, go on vacations, see Broadway shows, things like that. It's a little more enjoyable than a late yeah, baseball game. that stage <laughs> of life, Adam. It really is. I mean, I yeah. love baseball. Nothing like the sound of the crack of the bat. And, you totally. Know, the ball into the mitt and all that. And uh, just all those great things about baseball. It's a great sport. I'm not here to say baseball is bad. Uh, I loved it, um, but I probably had enough time with it. 14 sure. years is a long run. Yeah. And I think, I think this year, even I saw one of the Phillies games was like just barely over two hours, which is was. Un- unheard of. Yeah. I mean, in terms They're of baseball, getting there. So. I mean, yeah. watching it, I haven't watched t- too much of it, but it's almost too fast. I dare to say that. I've yeah, been playing about yeah, the games for so long. But, I mean, it's almost like the, what would Vin Scully do with the baseball now in terms <laughs> of trying to tell his stories? It's, it's from a broadcasting yeah. standpoint, a little tougher to tell stories now. But that's not a complaint. The game should be quicker. Yeah, I mean, they're going to tweak it. And two, I mean, two hours is like – fast for any sport football even takes three hours most of the time but for some reason you know those baseball games that drag out but that's a that we could spend probably a half hour just talking about that but um so for your broadcast with the flyers i know you work with keith jones a former philadelphia flyer himself uh he played eight years i believe in the nhl in the nhl he had some time in the hl before that but given that you have been uh in the booth so long doing the flyers and that he's a former player and now broadcaster. Do you guys have any kind of like friendly competition with who knows more about hockey or who (laughs) knows more about the team? (laughs) No, that wouldn't be part of Jonesy's MO. He does not fool around with the fact that he's not like this, uh, immerse himself in stats to get ready for a game. Uh, He is basically an, uh, an analyst by instinct and his instincts are amazing. Um, yeah, he does just because he loves the game and he'll watch games, pick up a lot of stuff, but he does not, he's not one of these guys. I mean, part of my broadcast coaching is this whole sequence of preparation. That's not Jonesy. Um, and he, he makes light of the fact that he's, that's not him. I give him my notes in fact, just so he has some information in front of him, but, but he is really, really uh, savvy and uh, funny, one of the funniest, most quick, uh, quickest wit, witted. Yeah, he's very witty. Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's got this wit that's just amazing. So uh, he has plenty of great attributes that make him a very good announcer. That, uh, but he's not one of these dive into all the stats and get all prepared, which is probably a good thing because 
you know, you don't really need an analyst giving numbers. I've, I've heard some do it. It's like, that's really for the play-by-play guy. The, right. It, it's, it's what I'm the, what, and the, the analyst should be the why. And uh, Jonesy and I don't usually get in the way of that. Once in a while, I'll sneak in with a little bit of why he'll give a little bit of what, but for the most part, we stick to our lanes and I think it makes it a, a good partnership. Yeah. And he, he is very um, humorous. And like you said, witty, I remember, you know, up until a few months ago, listening to him on the, you know, local sports radio morning show, super funny guy. I mean, was always drop. And, and like you said, the wittiness on him, like just without a, without missing a beat, you know, he's right on with the jokes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure he's that got, he's got his bad puns ready at, at all times. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, he's, he's, he's very good at, uh, using words to, to make fun of it. And we, we both talk about it now. It's a, you've got to be pretty careful today because um, right. we're in a highly sensitive world in terms of what's said and what, uh, you know, is caught on Mike and all this Jonesy and I've been caught with a hot mic too. And um, it, it's uh, but, but when you know you're on Mike and you're trying to be funny, a lot of times when you're trying to be funny, you can get yourself in trouble. So, you know, you have to be as careful as you can be. I, I don't think there's any way right now to get through, these things without offending someone from time to time it's 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 too bad but you you know there are lines you can't cross yeah totally and um i mean you talked about a little bit with the phillies you know uh they went you know your first couple seasons just tremendous success but then they went through that rough patch of you know not making the playoffs and like you said the games would drag on and the flyers you know currently not in the best situation i have heard you say you think they are getting getting their head in the right direction but how um you know, much does it affect you and your job when a team is really good versus when they're on the opposite end of that? Um, I mean, keeping things in perspective, Adam, again, anytime my feet hit the ground and I have a game to do, even during those lean years for the Phillies, and if people call these the lean years for the Flyers, I'm still uh, really pumped up to, to, to be doing a game because I'm still describing the actions of some of the best athletes in the world and getting paid for it. So it's a pretty good mix but sure when the team is winning i mean adrenaline carries you i mean that game last weekend in in florida it was such a great game i was i was just pumped with adrenaline uh, you know whereas some of the other games i've done nationally six two four one you know that's more you're worrying about getting everything right and the adrenaline isn't part of it and then when you're broadcasting for a team for sure when they win you you're pumped i mean you're human uh, people would be silly to think that when I'm calling a Flyers game, I'm not rooting for the Flyers to win. I'm around the players all the time. I know the players. I know the coaches. Uh, I've been calling the games for three decades. Of course, I'm going to be rooting for the Flyers. But 90 to 95% of the people watching are Flyers fans. So I'm broadcasting to largely Flyers fans anyhow. So uh, I'm not trying to be biased. It's just natural when you're around a team that much, okay. you're going to to have a, a bias for them. Now I've done flyers games for national networks where I had to split it down the middle and did my best. It, it takes effort. Um, but uh, that didn't make flyers fans too happy when I was getting excited for other teams goals against the flyers. So <laughs> you, you have to watch that, but in general, just is it easier when your team's winning for sure. Um, when they're losing, you have to find something to make the broadcast interesting whether it be prospects or just human interest stories or what have you. And that's work. Um, when you're winning and the, they're, they're winning, you just have to call the games and everybody's entertained. So it's much easier when your team's winning. Uh, but 
when I'm broadcasting the last three years, Flyers haven't made the playoffs. There's there's always been things to to be interested in, um, and and stories, players, um, and and the hope that things are getting better. Obviously, uh, there, there's always something to grab onto. Yeah, and um, what's interesting about you know broadcasting the various sports, you know, I feel like, and maybe this is just coming from an outsider's perspective, hockey is to me is probably one of the, on a basic level, more difficult um, sports to broadcast because just having to learn all the different names and the correct pronunciations, you have a lot of difficult to pronounce names. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit underrated in broadcasting in general, but was that kind of something, I mean, I'm sure now you're probably pretty efficient at it, recognizing where a player's from and how the correct pronunciation is, but was that something that took some time to kind of, get used to and and make sure because the last thing you want to do is say somebody's first or last name incorrectly, you know, not only for them, but just, you know, for professional purposes. Yeah. And it's not getting any easier, Adam, because a lot of players, European players, uh, Americanize their names. Some don't. So mm-hmm. I always go to the player when I can to ask them, how is your name pronounced? Now, when we're doing a game in, Florida, let's say the Flyers are playing Florida and we get in the night before and we get to their morning skate. I might not get the chance to go to that player and ask him how to pronounce his name, but I can at least go to their announcers who are around him all the time and say, Hey, you know, you, the NHL puts out a pronunciation list. It's not always right. They had uh, Nicholas obey Cubell wrong and still do. It's Cubell, not Cubell, uh, which is what in the, hmm. and there are others. The most famous one, of course, is Brad Marchand Marchand of the Boston Bruins. So getting a chance to do a game nationally gives you much more access. And I was able to actually, before my first game of that series, uh, talk with Brad and say, Brad, you've been in the league 14 years, 13 years. Your name has bounced back and forth. No one seems to know. Your radio guy calls it one thing. Your TV guy calls it another. I'm going to use, I'm going to pronounce your name however you want me to pronounce it for the rest of your careers right now, as you, as you tell me. <laughs> and he says, well, here's the story. And he basically told me he was Marchand from the time he was a kid growing up all through his formative years, got to the NHL, and it was suddenly Marchand. Everybody was calling him Marchand. He just didn't feel like it was of, of his to tell everybody, hey, it's, it's, it's Marchand. So he let it yeah. go, and it kind of became both. And uh, I don't know how it got split between the radio guy and the TV guy, but that, that that's another story. Um, but anyhow, I, he, I said, so what is it? What do you want now? And he goes, I would say Marchand. And he says, and to firm that up, I asked my eight-year-old niece a couple months ago, her name, her last name is Marchand. How does she want her name pronounced? Marchand, Marchand. And the eight-year-old said Marchand. So that, that cemented it. So, okay. <laughs> so he's Marchand. Um, and I, I go with whatever the player tells me. Now, hockey does have a lot of European players. There's one on Florida. His name is Etu Losterinen. That's how we've been told. I have not talked to him specifically, but I've been told by their announcers, anyone around the Panthers, that's how it's called. It gets butchered on national TV on a nightly basis. Losterinen, it's Losterinen. That's how you pronounce his name. So it is tough because there's so many of them. And right. you can't talk to every athlete on, on the other team, especially when you're doing local broadcasts. Uh, but you do what you can, and you try to confirm as many as you can. And on my sheet, I, I put the phonetic spelling. So when I go over the numbers, I'm saying that name correctly every time so that hopefully it comes out correctly 
um, when I do the game. But it's not always that easy. Peter Nedeljkovic, goaltender for the uh, Red Wings now, at least most recently, um, I struggle with it. I can say it to you now a zillion times, but in the course, in the speed of a game, he makes a right. save. I'm butchering it. You know, save by Nedeljkovic. <laughs> it's just one of those names. So we we all have those that that get us. Um, one of my funny stories with, with Jonesy, um, Andre Vasilevsky made his NHL debut against the Flyers. I believe it was his debut in Philadelphia. And at the end of our broadcast, Jonesy's usually talking with the producer in his headset saying 10, 9, 8. And he's counting it to the rollout, which I, I then start talking over, which is highlights of the game leading to saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. But he has to hit that rollout just like he's hitting a commercial break. And he was having trouble with Vasilevsky all night long. And it's probably because of the way it's spelled. It's not a hard word, but there's an S-K-I-Y, uh, I, I think is how it is. But something got Jonesy, and he just couldn't. He was struggling with it all game. He's saying Tampa Bay goaltender, whatever. So he, I guess the end, and he's our star of the game. He was great. Big surprise. And so he talks about the player of the game leading up to the rollout. And they're showing saves and saying, uh, uh, you know, great save. And, he clearly was the difference in this hockey game. And uh, in the end, the, the Lightning win this game based on 38 saves by Vasa, Vasa, Tampa goaltender. <laughs> and, then, and then the rollout starts, and I got to talk. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> Vassal, Vassal, Tampa. And there was so much resignation in his voice when he goes, Tampa goaltender. It's like, Tampa <laughs> <laughs> he just couldn't get it out. So, so we all he's have defeated. our name. Yeah, he's got it now. He's had to say his name a lot over the last five or six years. So he's got it down now. And I have Nadelkovich down a little bit, but still I worry about it when, I, when the Flyers are playing him. So that that's, yeah, you're going to have those. You do your best with it. As far as hockey being the toughest sport, I get that a lot from people. And I used to get a lot, what's tough for hockey or baseball? And I was doing both. And I used to tell them baseball by far. And they'd be like, really? And I said, the reason is it's it's almost with both sports like it is playing the game. When you play hockey, you can't really be thinking out on the ice. It's almost mm-hmm. a complete instinctual sport. So you practice, you practice, you practice, you get muscle memory, and you go out on the ice, and you sh- if you're thinking, it's too fast. If you're thinking, you're lost. So mm-hmm. that's basically how you call a game, too. I I, I do all my prep. I do probably way more than I have to do, but I know going into the game that I feel ready for just about anything, even on live sports, you can't be, but you, you get ready for, you feel like you're ready for anything. If you feel like you're ready for anything, that's the most important thing because you're, you're in a zone for the broadcast, but my work is done. Then memorization, all that stuff is done. Then game starts. I can't be looking down to the sheet with every number. You just can't. The game's too fast. I have, it has has to be in my head. And, all of what's happening is just your ability to, to process and speak clearly and crisply and quickly. So you do it. It happens. Game ends. I'm rarely tired at the end of a hockey game. I mean, it's just, I just called what I saw for two, two, 15, two, two and a half. And it wasn't much mental stress. Baseball as a player is all about what's coming next, right? The batter, what's the next pitch going to be? The pitcher's looking into the catcher, what's my next pitch going to be? The infielders, what's the next pitch going to be? So I can, you know, if it's a breaking ball, I can, you know, slant one way. If it's a fastball, the other way. Outfielders, same thing. Um, 
if someone's on the base pass, where do I go if the ball's hit there? All this is stuff in your mind before the ball, the pitch is even thrown. And as a broadcaster, you're almost doing the same thing. There's not that much action to call in baseball. Well, they, they've been studies like 12 minutes during the course of a, where the ball's actually in play. I think that's gone sure. down seriously lately with the <laughs> three, uh, three event uh, game we have now, you know, strike out, walk home run. But I think we're hopefully getting out of that as well. But, but you know, you, you see what I'm saying. You, as a broadcast, you have to be thinking about all the stuff that's going on. And people look at a baseball right. game that don't really know the sport and they'll say, Nothing's going on. The guy's throwing the ball. The guy's hitting the ball. No, we all know there's so much going on. Shifts, uh, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, how you're positioning your outfielders, the bullpen. You always got to keep your eye on the bullpen, what's going on out there, the the, the chemistry between the pitcher and catcher. Uh, yeah, there's just so much going on. The, the coaches, the first and third base coaches, what they're doing. There's so much going on. So when I would fill in for Scott Fransky and do a full nine innings, um, I'd also do the pre-post and full nine, so it was a full gig, but I was exhausted by the, the end of that broadcast because yeah. you know it's a little longer. First of all, the game's a little longer, but second of all, you're you're basically talking and having to come up with things to say for three hours. Whereas hockey, the game gives you everything to say, so you're thinking a lot more. So I've always thought baseball to be a tougher sport. I mean, hockey might be tough physically. You can either do it or you can't. Some people can't talk that quickly. Some people can't process that quickly, and they're not going to be hockey announcers. Uh, but the bottom line is, in terms of mental duress if you will i think the, the that hockey is actually easier than baseball but you got to right, do the work ahead of time for hockey i mean if you don't right. do the work ahead of time for hockey you're going to be swimming upstream the whole game so you're going to have a lot of mental stress but if you do your prep hockey should be just once the lights go on the puck is dropped it should be almost like automatic for you yeah definitely i mean and like the i mean the paces between the two games are just night and day yeah. almost yeah um, I used to tell and, people would say what do you like more baseball or hockey not which is tougher but what do you like more and i tell them the story of my two kids my daughter is a five foot two maybe blonde very petite girl my son is a six foot one runette hockey player big brawny kid my daughter is very organized very into what's going on around the world maybe a little bit self-centered very clean room is really clean my son mm -hmm. not as organized his room's a mess he's worried about everybody but himself he's this very caring kid they're complete opposites my two kids one i mean they're they're opposites physically they're opposites mentally but do i love one more than the other no i love both of them and i say that about baseball and hockey you couldn't find two sports really that are much different and yet i love both of them equally because uh, i love the pace the excitement of hockey and i love the the, the the marathon nature of baseball, the stories that are that are evolving over the course of a long season, over the course of a game, and just that that poetry that baseball brings. So, I love both sports for opposite reasons, but I I don't love one more than the other. Yeah, and I think actually, um, you know, it's pretty impressive that you can make that change because you know obviously the broadcasting. I just feel like in baseball, there's a lot more not empty air, but there has the potential for a lot more empty air that, um, you know, people sometimes fill with stories or, you know, just find different things to talk about to stay relevant. Whereas hockey, there's not quite as much of that break. I mean, you still have some here and there, but with baseball, I feel like there's sometimes you get like, when you get a really good broadcaster, you know, you you're engaged in what they're talking about in addition to, to the game. 
Oh, you have to be because again, what is there? 12 minutes of actual action. <laughs> you know, it's right. <laughs> the, the best baseball announcers uh, are not necessarily the guys who call the action the best. They're the ones who fill the time between the action. The best. I mean, Vin Scully exactly. uh, was the best of the best. And uh, he, he also could describe plays very well. Don't get me wrong, but his storytelling is what made him the goat in most people's eyes. Whereas Doc Emmerich, many people feel he is the goat of hockey announcers. It was his ability to describe the action, the frenetic pace, and to somehow, some way take a great game and make it even better or take an average game and make it good. But he would do that. He'd up that game some, some level. That's the goal of any broadcaster. Don't get in the way of the game, but somehow make it a little bit better for the viewer, the listener. And, you know, obviously both Scully and Emmerich are, are legendary for how they did that, but it's completely different how they did that. Then it was with his dulcet tones and his, his just great stories and his way of, you know, weaving that into the game. And Doc, it was just his ridiculously uh, amazing, entertaining calls and how you'd hear his voice and know, whoa, this is this is big. And, you know, you'd be, you'd, you'd be your ears, your eyes would be glued on the TV. So, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's different for the two sports, and and so not surprising that it's different for two of the best announcers for those two sports. Absolutely. And uh, so before I let you go, I do want to talk a little about uh, your broadcast coaching. And so jimjacksonbroadcasting.com, I'll throw the link down in the description uh, for anyone who's interested. But um, what, you know, kind of what process do you go through when you're coaching somebody or, you know, what's your maybe biggest thing that you see that is a common um something that people need to work on that is very common among people you coach? Oh, that's a tough one. There's so many different things. Um, bottom line, I mean, this started in the, the minute the Phillies let me go. I wanted to find some way to fill some of the uh, time. And so it was November of 2020. I started coaching uh, almost three years already. It's hard to believe. But but uh, and so we started this. I had always talked to, to people in the business people call email and, you know, just have a brief conversation with them, maybe listen to their clips, whatever. Uh, but this gave me three hours, an hour, three segments to really dive into the business with them and then dive into their specific situation. And I've probably had upwards of 75, I think students over the course of the two and a half years, which is pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I basically push it word of mouth. I don't have any, huge advertising campaign. I don't know how to use the search engines very well. So uh, it, it's basically, that's how I get people, but I love it. I dive in, I, I dive into each student in terms of their story, just like I dive into getting ready for a game, the, the broadcast. I want to find out as much as I can about them, where they've been, where they are, where they want to be. And then we try to help them get there. And uh, as far as a, a specific thing, it, it's, I mean, I, I tell everybody it's about preparation. It's about getting experience and it's about perseverance pep i call it my pep speech you have to you have to do all though you have to be over prepared i don't think you can be over prepared but you have to over prepare if that makes any sense and experience there's no such thing as bad experience people are saying of course there is i mean i would say myself my my two and a half years whatever it was three years of selling up in utica i hated it with a passion so was that a bad experience for me? Yes. But in the rearview mirror, as I look at it, it was great experience. It helped me with interpersonal skills, cold calling, nothing better 
to help someone learn how to communicate with people than cold calling because you know they hate you they don't want you they don't even you know and, and you got to go in there and at least somehow find a way to by the time you leave there you know not be getting kicked out <laughs> um so yeah i mean the, the sales i hated it and thank i'm thankful i didn't have to get into it for a living because i just it just wasn't my gig but i learned from that so that makes it good experience a bad experience can become good experience if that makes any sense and um, i think that's the case throughout because if you learn something Adam, the, the key is learning something. Life is a learning experience. We're learning to the day we die, I think. And so if you go through something and learn, it's a good experience. It might be you learn something about yourself. It might be you learn something about a company. It might be you learn something about a, a certain realm of, of the business. It might be something as simple as you learn something about a particular person that's in the business, whatever. But if you're learning something, it's good because that's what life's all about. We have to learn to get better. So experience and then perseverance. I mean, uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You're going to be told you're not good. I was told by the sports director at the station at Syracuse when I was at school, when he was a senior and I was a junior and he was a senior who had just gotten a Sports Illustrated article written about him saying he was a nine out of a 10. So we were kind of genuflecting in his presence after that story came out. Shortly after that, he told me I was not going to make it in this business. And um, it crushed me for about 48 hours. And then I, I sucked it up and I said, I'm not going to let this guy tell me that I can't make it. Why should I'm at Syracuse? I'm on the air. I'm doing play by play. I got to be halfway decent. I'm, I'm not going to let this guy tell me. And I used his words as motivation instead of as a, a way to crush me. Um, and I did meet him many years later, 2010, when Phillies were in the NLCS, and he asked me to be on his radio show out in San Francisco. And I, I went on with him, and before we got on the air, I said, do you remember telling me I was going to make it? He said, I never told you that. I said, yeah, <laughs> you told me that because it resonated. He goes, I never said that. But thank you. <laughs> but, but you're welcome, he said. Because I said to him, it, it gave me uh, motivation instead of crushing me. Right. So. Um, so you're going to have those kind of people, Adam, in your life, uh, and whether it's your mother or whether it's somebody from the outside telling you not, don't do it, don't do it. That's You have to persevere through that. Bumps in the road, they're going to be there. Obstacles you got to get around, they're going to be there, um, and you just have to push through them. So that's that's my, my pep speech in a nutshell. So for one thing that everybody does wrong, I can't say there is one thing. Everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses, but if you, you hone in on those three fundamentals, uh, you'll be much better off. Yeah, I totally agree. I like it. Um, and again, for anyone interested, Jim Zach, Jim Jackson Broadcasting.com. I'll again links will be down in the description. Uh, yeah, also on, the, on my website there, Adam, you've got lots of different choices. The broadcast coaching one is obviously for the coaching, and then there's I got a YouTube channel which I started but didn't do much with yet. Trying to figure out what to do with that. But I got cameo and I've got I'm also doing voiceovers and audiobook narration, and there's charitable charitable link to uh, Alex's lemonade stand, which is very near and dear to me, which uh, any donations to that are awesome. So that's all on the website. Um, but the one that if specifically coaching, there's a link there. If you click on that, you'll get all the information. Yeah, I was actually gonna mention cameo because cameo is pretty cool. Um, it is. I just did a couple role. before we went on here today. So oh yeah. <laughs> yeah you get some <laughs> it's crazy. A very cool work, gift. Right? You, you really do. I mean, I, yeah, you get, very, I get cool something uh, introducing them at a, at a wedding. It's like, it's, I mean, it's really, you want me to introduce them in a wedding through a cameo? And, uh, you know, I, the birthdays and the anniversaries and the get wells are awesome. Um, but they, you, seriously, you have some of these guys where you're kicking off their fantasy football league or their fantasy hockey league. And 
Uh, it's it's crazy, but I love it. It's a great way to interact with people. Um, and yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I, I don't think of myself as a celebrity. I, I just don't. I, I just have a hard time thinking of me that way. But if people out there do and anything I can say can help someone who's not feeling well, let's say, when I get well message or help pump somebody up who's going through a little, you know, bout of depression or just make their birthday a little bit more special. Why not? It takes 30 seconds to a minute. And um, right. it's, it's, I think it's a great way to interact. And for me, I've been doing it uh, for a year and a half now. Yeah. About a year and a half. Flyers haven't been very good. So I get a lot <laughs> of these, please tell me that they're going to be a little bit better. So I, I kind of feel like cameo slash, psychiatrist yeah, right. <laughs> trying, to, trying to tell him that there, there are better times around the corner. Um, so I get a lot of that too, but it's all fun and um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And I think, I think I saw one cause if you go on the cameo, you can see some samples and stuff for anyone listening. who wants to check it out. I know one of the videos I saw was, I think it was like a, I think it was a, like a, maybe a peewee hockey team or something like yeah. that that had, had done it, which was really funny. It was cool to listen to. So yeah, they had me um, do you have, where they gave me all the names of the players and they wanted me to construct a goal call. So <laughs> there's all kinds <laughs> of crazy. Ones. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a cool little thing. Um, do you have any upcoming events that you'll be out at? I know sometimes the flyers run events that you probably are at uh, anything that you know of upcoming. Not right now because uh, the, no one was sure how long my season was going to go until about three days ago. So mm-hmm. um, I, they will add up. I, I, just i got out of golfing when i did the phillies so i miss a lot of the golfing events um i'm thinking about getting back into golf so i might be you might see me you might want to avoid me and your foursome though <laughs> getting back into it and i'm not that good to begin with uh but and then there's going to be some there's going to be some things uh, through either the flyers um nbc sports philadelphia or uh ed snyder youth and education um you know last year there was a fishing uh trip that uh, i got covid for right before so i couldn't go uh, on but I was scheduled to go on and there was there was there were some other things we did with some uh, hockey stuff and there's there's all kinds of events so, and that's all on my website as well okay perfect yeah and i'll throw like i think you're on twitter so i'll throw that link in the description down below as yeah. well so anyone interested can can check that out Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Again, if you want to give Jim a follow on Twitter at JimJPhilly or check him out, JimJacksonBroadcasting.com. Again, uh, as he mentioned, more than just broadcast coaching available on his website. So head on over there for more information. Make sure, again, you check down below for the links to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, as well as where you can watch the interview on YouTube. Make sure you follow our socials so that you get the latest episodes when they're announced, latest guests when they're announced, any potential events uh, in the near future, that'll be announced there as well. There are a few more guests being worked on at the moment. Nobody officially scheduled, so I don't want to make any announcements just in case something falls through, but that's why you want to follow our social media pages because as soon as they are scheduled... They will be announced. Thanks again to Jim for joining me. I had a great time chatting with him. I hope you had a good time listening. I do thank you for coming back if you've heard a few episodes before. uh, Or if it's your first time checking us out, I appreciate it. I hope you go back, listen to some old episodes, and come back for future episodes. 
I know this one was mostly about a Philadelphia Flyers hockey, but also Philadelphia Phillies baseball sports broadcaster. Uh, but more than just sports, we'll be having guests from all over the place that you recognize, whether it's YouTube, television, movies, reality TV, football, other sports. Hoping to bring you a little bit of everything with this podcast. So thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you on the next one.